the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. A service of the Salem. Versions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Clamor. You know what clamor is? Clamor means public yelling and shouting. You ever hear your neighbor shout? I remember one time watching, it, it was better than anything on television, watching my neighbors across the street. And I, I just pull back the curtains and watch them. And I tell you, they, they had a shouting match. She said this to him. He ran out. She ran out. I mean, it, it was what the Bible says is clamor. Clamor is public yelling and shouting. Now, I know I don't need to say this, but I'm going to, that that ought not to be in the Christian life. Your neighbors should not hear you shouting because you shouldn't be shouting. It's not that they should have bad hearing. It's that you shouldn't be shouting. That's what clamor is. In fact, if you'll turn your Bibles to um, Acts 23, verse 9, you'll, you'll see the same word used here, and you'll see what it really is as we uh, illustrate it from Scripture. Acts 23, verse 9. Paul is in the midst of this conflict, and there arose a great uproar. See that word uproar, clamor. Some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, we find nothing wrong with this man. And, and they went on to say that what happened is this. The Pharisees said one thing, the Sadducees said another thing. Before you know it, their voices are rising. Then, then before you realize that they're yelling at one another, and that, that's what happens. Do you realize that's the old man? to say I now have a better idea of what clamor really is. Not a particularly delightful thing, is it? It might be easy for us to say, well, you know, I really don't have a problem with clamor, and that might be. However, if you've noticed a pattern in the preaching, Pastor Steve has more than just clamor to talk about today. I looked ahead in the message, and he's going to talk about slander, bitterness, and malice as well. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio program featuring the Verse by Verse teaching ministry of Pastor Steve Kreloff. He is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are closing in on the end of our series, The Walk of the New Man. In fact, we have two more sessions left. So let's pay close attention as Pastor Steve opens the Word of God for us today. Wrath. There's, there's no room in the Christian life for wrath. A Christian ought not to be explosive. 
Now, I know that, that there's always the opportunity for confession of sin and repentance, but you ought to stop it before. There is no room. There ought not to be room for a Christian to go to have a temper tantrum. That's, that's for the world to do. And, and the world does that. And the world explodes and the world kills people and the world fights with one another, but that ought not to be with Christians. No wrath in the Christian life. And then there's anger. Anger is different from wrath. It's connected and yet it's different. It's not a, a momentary explosive rage. It's a settled inward continual resentment. Anger just goes on and on. Rage is, and, and wrath a person does it and, and he thinks it's over with. Actually, that's not true. It will continue in other forms, but at least he thinks it's over with. But anger is, is, is a habit, while rage is a momentary loss of temper. You see the difference? Anger is a, ha- is a habit. And there are some people just angry. They're not explosive. They just sort of have a chip on their shoulder and they're angry. We're not to be angry. We're to, we're really, except to have righteous anger. We're not to be selfishly uh, angry. That, that's just, that's the old man. That's the way we were. And all these things, this is a good commentary on what our attitudes were. Uh, before I knew the Lord, I was bitter. I was wrathful. I was angry. And, and you were too, if you came to know the Lord, at least as an adult. Then there's clamor. Now that's interesting. Clamor. You know what clamor is? Clamor means public yelling and shouting. You ever hear your neighbors shout? I remember one time watching, it, it was better than anything on television, watching my neighbors across the street. And I, I just pulled back the curtains and watched them. And I tell you, they, they had a shouting match. She said this to him, he ran out, she ran out. I mean, it, it was what the Bible says is clamor. Clamor is public yelling and shouting. Now, I know I don't need to say this, but I'm going to, that that ought not to be in the Christian life. Your neighbors should not hear you shouting because you shouldn't be shouting. It's not that they should have bad hearing. It's that you shouldn't be shouting. That's what clamor is. In fact, if you'll turn your Bibles to um, Acts 23, verse 9, you'll, you'll see the same word used here, and you'll see what it really is as we uh, illustrate it from Scripture. Acts 23, verse 9. Paul is in the midst of this conflict. And there arose a great uproar. See that word? Uproar. Clamor. Some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, we find nothing wrong with this man. And, and they went on to say that what happened is this. The Pharisees said one thing. The Sadducees said another thing. Before you know it, their voices are rising. Then, then before you realize that they're yelling at one another. And that, that's what happens. Do you realize that's the old man? Have you ever argued with somebody or, and you, you debated with them and you find your voice getting higher and higher and higher? That's what clamor is. The world does that. The world is real good at that. In fact, some people can't have a civilized conversation. They yell at one another. They cannot disagree graciously. They just yell at one another. That is clamor. Screaming, fights, public yelling. Ought not to be in the Christian life. Ought to be a kind word. Speak soft. Soft answer turneth away wrath. Proverbs says, soft answer. Don't raise your voice. Clamor. Then there's slander. This is an interesting word. The word slander is the Greek word from which we get our English word blasphemy. Now, most of us, when we think of blasphemy, we think of 
of uh, abusive speech or insulting language directed towards God. But that's not true. Now, I have a friend, and I can tell you this, he doesn't go to the church, I won't tell you his, his name. I have a friend who uh, told me uh, an interesting story. It was uh, embarrassing to him, but what happened was he, uh, he found himself in a situation where somebody at, at work in a public type forum insulted him. Uh, somebody had some uh, insulting language directed towards him. Now he wasn't at this forum, but somebody told him that this person spoke evil of you or, or didn't speak well of you and so forth. So uh, he's a Christian. He got on the phone and he said, I understand that you, uh, you said some, some derogatory things about me. What did you say? And this person proceeded to tell him. He said, that's not true. In fact, those are lies. And one thing led to another. He told me that he shouldn't have gotten angry. In fact, he acted like the old man. He, uh, he, he said words he shouldn't have said. He got angry at her. He uh, said things that uh, he later regretted, and he was yelling at her and, and so forth. And then finally, in, in just being exasperated, he said, and what's more, you've blasphemed me. Well, the more he thought about that, the more embarrassed he was. He, he didn't know that blasphemy uh, could be used against people. I didn't know that until this week. I've only thought of it in the context of against the Lord. And here, the more he thought about it, the more, the more he thought, what must I have looked like to that person? Because blasphemy is only something you can do towards God. What will she think I, I think I am? So to make matters worse, they had a little meeting. The, uh, the president of the organization himself, this woman and some others, and uh, he was so embarrassed that he said blasphemy because he thought that they're going to think he... Uh, he really thinks he's, he's something special. And uh, they went through all these allegations and so forth. And finally, she said to him, she said, and what's more, I never blaspheme you. Now, when he told us this story, he was so embarrassed. He said, they're going to think I think I'm so pious. That's only for the Lord blasphemy. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have great fun at telling him about slander is is blasphemy. It's not just insulting the Lord, it's insulting those who have been made in the image of God, and that's human beings, and specifically Christians. We are not to slander people. We are not to have evil speech towards others. We are not to speak like that, uh, insult others. Speech is, is not designed to injure people, and that's what slander is. Let me show you Jude chapter 9. This is very important. Slander is something that is so easy to do and yet is so forbidden in Scripture. Jude, verse 9. Now, if there's anybody we would think we're justified in slandering, we would think naturally it ought to be Satan, but that's not true. We're, we're not even to slander Satan. We're not even to speak evil, to, to injure him. Verse 9, but Michael... The archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, the devil wanted the body of Moses, the Lord wanted the body of Moses and sent Michael, he did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, and, that, and the words there for slander, for blasphemy, he said, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to rebuke you. The Lord do it. We are not to speak evil against one another. And then finally, the old man is not, as verse 31 says, uh, to have malice. What is malice? 
Very simply, malice means wicked desires to harm others. It's ill will. Nothing too deep about that. It's, it's just wicked desires to harm others, ill will. Now, folks, this is the picture of the old man. Depraved, sinful, self-centered. He's a bitter, temperamental, angry, yelling, evil-speaking, malicious person. That's the old man. That's what we were before we came to know the Lord. And unfortunately, that's the way some Christians still behave. That's why it's very difficult to tell some Christians apart from unsaved folks. And Paul says, you must be, be different. You must be unique. You must be able to distinguish yourselves from the world. This is a picture also of our society. That's the world we live in. That's how many of us are treated by people we work with, we go to school with, our neighbors, even family members, and they think nothing of it. This is life for them. How are we to respond to these negative attitudes, these vices that are directed at us and directed by verbal abuse? How are we to respond? I'll tell you how the world responds. The old man responds by striking back. If you're bitter at me, I'm going to be bitter at you. If you explode at me, I'm going to explode right back at you. If you yell at me, I'm going to shout to you. If you speak evil of me, I'm going to get back. See, that's the old man. And what happens is one person does it, another person strikes back, and this person strikes back. And, and it's a war going on. And the world is at war with itself. They're not just at war with the Lord. They're at war with themselves. So you've got everybody down on everyone else, and Christians forget that they're to respond differently. They're kind of caught up in the midst of this, and everybody does it. And if you don't yell back, everyone thinks you're naive, and you're letting people take advantage of you, and you're a fool, and why don't you fight back, and so forth. We're to be different. We're to respond differently. In, um, in our family, down my family down in Miami, uh, there's been some bitterness, lack of forgiveness towards a certain member of the family, a relative. And uh, I've been caught up in the midst of this. And, and I keep uh, feeling this pressure that they want me to say something against this relative. And I refuse to say something against this relative. And... Uh, the last time I was there, uh, someone prodded me more and more. And I said, you know, I have nothing against this person. And they, they were so, I could sense they were just disgusted with me. Why don't you have something? Again, everyone else does. And one person said, you know, you're just too good to be true. Well, there's nothing that that's, that's really good about me. But in comparison uh, to, to their attitudes, it looked great. And they just thought it was so unrealistic. How can you just not have evil feelings towards this person? Well, that's, that's the way the world wants to get us in its mold. And when you respond differently, they think that you're really peculiar. They think that you're some type of an angel. I mean, that you're just, you know, out of this world. And uh, they think so many times that you're so foolish and naive. But we're to be different. But Christians are capable of these same attitudes. I've known Christians who are so bitter that, that they're, they're eaten up with the bitterness I've known Christians who yell and think nothing of it and, and get temperamental and explode and just, well, I've got to get off my chest and that's it. It never works that way. That's, that's not the way we're to respond. We need to be sure we don't exhibit these vices. And so Paul says in verse 31, we are to put these things or put away from you. That's the expression he uses, put it away. What he means is take these things away. They don't belong with the new man. Let me tell you something. There are some people who, when they, they preach or they witness, they give the impression to unsaved folks that the moment you receive Christ, 
all of these negative things in your life are going to fall off. That's not true. That's not true. In fact, you'll probably see more negative things than you ever saw before. Paul is speaking to people who have been Christians, uh, some for, for many years, and he says, put it away. Put it away from you, which means that there are Christians, uh, all of us can have these things that hang on to us. They don't automatically fall off the moment you're saved. And there's another teaching that says, you don't do it, just let the Lord take care of it. That's not true either. That's not true. We're to be disciplined, and yes, we have to allow the Lord to do it. We do it in his strength. There's, there's a balance. Yes, we rest in the Lord, but the Lord doesn't say, just pray about it, and I'll take care of it. Now, you should pray about it, but God says, you do it by an act of your will, for it's God who works in you. The Lord's going to give you the strength. The Lord's going to give you the grace, but don't just sit back and be passive about it. Paul says, put it off. And so we've got a responsibility. It's not how you feel. If you have bitterness in your heart, you just put it away. But you've got to replace these negative attitudes and these negative uh, things in your life and these vices in your life with some positive virtues. And that's what we want to look at. The new man has these kinds of attitudes. It's not enough to say, don't do this. You've You've got to replace it with proper godly habits. Number one, in verse 32, and be kind to one another. Kindness is is the opposite of all of this. Kindness is the opposite of bitterness and malice. Kindness simply means to be useful. That's what the word means, to be helpful, to be gracious. A kind person doesn't cut down anybody. He builds them up. He helps them. You know, it's an understatement to say that life is difficult. All of us have problems. And the issue is that you and I need to help one another. I remember the first time I was at Moody Memorial Church and heard Warren Wearsby preach. I don't even remember what the sermon was, but one thing stood out in my mind. He said, there's a battle raging in every pew. All of you have battles right now, and all of us need one another to help one another. That's life, and that's specifically the Christian life. In fact, Paul defined love in that aspect. He said in 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. When you love one another, you want to help one another. Love is very practical, very useful, very helpful. Love always is on the lookout for opportunities to help others. See, the old man wants to cut and hurt and has hatred and bitterness and ill feelings, but the new man says, I just want to be helpful. I don't want to cut you down. I don't want to put you down. I want to build you up. I want to help you. Tender-hearted. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. This means to be compassionate. How we need that. It's the opposite of cold-hearted. A cold-hearted person doesn't care what happens to anyone else. He's not moved to help others. His philosophy of life is, it's every man for himself. That's a cold-hearted person. We're to be tender-hearted, which means we're to be sensitive. We're to be responsive to the needs of others. Tender-heartedness means you have a deep affection for one another, a concern for others. In fact, and you may think this is, this is uh, funny, but the expression tender-hearted really should be uh, translated bowels or intestines. Why? Because, uh, in fact, you've heard of the expression, before I explain why, you've heard the expression bowels of compassion. I think that's, that's found in the King James Version, bowels of compassion, because in ancient times, the intestines referred to the inner feelings of a person, the seat of affections. In fact, we even say that today. We say, I've got a gut feeling about someone. It means that you care for someone so much you can feel it right in the pit of your stomach. 
We've had that for so you ever see someone really suffering? You, it, it pains you. You have such a deep concern for that person that it literally pains you in the very pit of your stomach. Tender-hearted person is pained when others are hurting, and he's moved to help and to alleviate that pain if he can. You can't always alleviate that pain, but at least he's, he's moved to try to do something if it's possible to help. You see, we aren't to just tolerate one another. We're not just to come to church, go to church with one another, and go home. We are to have such a love for one another that we have a concern and a deep feeling towards one another. That when you hurt, I hurt. And when I hurt, you ought to hurt. And that's the body of Christ. You see, that's, we're different. We're not just an organization. We are a family. We, and we live in a world that is not tender-hearted. You know that. Our world is very cold-hearted. Have you ever watched TV news reporters as they report the news? Now, I'm not getting down on news reporters specifically, but they are trained, at least they're, they're trained not to come across tender-hearted. They may be very compassionate, but they certainly don't come across that way. I remember when President Reagan was shot a few years ago, and uh, on ABC News, Frank Reynolds was getting the reports as they were coming in. It had just happened a little while ago, and uh, there was conflicting reports uh, there was talk about death. There was talk that he was critically injured and so forth. And, and the man with him, Brady, and uh, he got one report that there was death and one report there were li- And he just exploded on the air and said, can anybody get the news straight? And before you know it, they moved Ted Koppel in and, and they, they didn't want him losing his cool on the air. And Frank Reynolds was very criticized for that in his profession. How could you, you lose it on it? Well, you see, we live in a world that's tender-hearted. Here we're talking about two men who have just been shot at. Two men who, who this news commentator knew and probably knew quite well. And he was it, it, tender-hearted, compassionate. He hurt for them. But we frown on that type of thing. Hospitals can be very cold-hearted. They don't have to be. And this, once again, isn't a criticism of all hospitals and people work in hospitals, but we can lose a personal touch. People are just numbers, just statistics, paying customers. People who work with with people who hurt can easily get callous. Police officers can do that. Firefighters can do that. All of us, pastors can do that. Christian workers can do that. And we need to cultivate tender heartedness. We need to be compassionate. You look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, there was, there was compassion illustrated. But it's this last part that I want to focus on for the remainder of the evening. Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. If there's one thing that doesn't characterize the world, it's forgiveness. And if there's one thing that ought to characterize us, is that we forgive one another. We could speak for hours on this. Forgiveness is so crucial it's so convicting to all of us because all of us struggle with forgiving one another. The word forgiveness is not the usual Greek word that is used most of the time in the New Testament for forgiveness. It is the word that means literally acting in grace. We are to graciously forgive. It, it has the same meaning, but it means as God has, has displayed grace to you in Christ, you ought to display grace towards others as well. That's the thought here. 
And the meaning here is that the people we forgive don't deserve our forgiveness. Notice there's nothing here that says, now wait till they come and apologize to you. Wait till they admit that they were wrong. Wait till they realize where they've erred. No, it doesn't say that. It just says forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. They may lie to us as the old man lies, They may get angry at us. They may steal from us. They may speak unwholesome words to us. But the new man just forgives and goes on forgiving. When we started our session today, we were faced with topics such as clamor, slander, bitterness, and malice. However, I like the way Pastor Steve wrapped things up today, ending with tenderheartedness and forgiveness. Forgiveness can be a tough topic. And we are going to hear more about that in our final session of The Walk of the New Man. If you have missed any of the previous verse-by-verse programs, let me encourage you to surf on over to versebyverseradio.org where you can find past programs. Look for the Archive tab and find those programs you missed so you can be completely caught up. Now, I hope you're planning to join us for the final session in our series, The Walk of the New Man, on our next verse-by-verse program. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.